You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. This is extraordinary. I am super, super excited to be able to share with you this morning. I consider it a privilege and an honor. And for those of you that don't know me, um, I kind of been around here forever. So <laughs> I moved here um, after college, and I've been a part of Awakened Church since the end of the very first year. And so it's so amazing to see us grow and become who we've become and stand and shine as a beautiful light, especially in this hour. Can I get an amen? amen. And what an hour it's been. It's been a season. It's been a little bit messy of a world. A little bit messy. I find that the world can be messy because people are messy. In fact, the title of my message today is called Messy But Godly. Messy But Godly. There we go. And um, for me, I've just found that wherever there are people, sometimes it can be a little messy. But it doesn't necessarily mean that there is not godly there as well. How many people here have heard of the term uh, at-will employment? At-will employment. Yeah. So the definition of at-will employment is this. It's described as a working environment in which employers are free to terminate employees at any time without cause, explanation, or prior warning. Similarly, employees are permitted to quit a job at any time without any reason. And I kind of feel like... You know, that's in in the corporate world. But in my own life, kind of when I look back, I'm like, wow, I sometimes can treat people like that. Like, you annoy me, you're fired. (laughs) You hurt me, you're fired. You, whatever, you're fired. And we can, I, I just began to see, especially over this season, a dismissal of people because of mess. And I don't think that's a God way. I think that's a human way. And I think it's natural to a lot of us. I know for my own life, this is the bent, and that's why I'm, I'm preaching this word. This is a message, like, of my life. So don't think I'm preaching at you at all. I'm preaching with you and going to share just my personal life and testimony. But my bent has, has been that if I look over the years, I moved school um, when I was in school every two years. I was never in a school in my whole life more than two years at a time. So I just got used to moving on. And I didn't realize that if, um, in, in a not good way, it created a flexibility in me, it created all these things. But also on the flip side, it did create this bent where if it got hard or somebody got whatever, I could just go, off you go. <laughs> Moving on to the next. I've done it my whole life. And then I, um, on the flip side of my personality, um, I find it quite easy to make friends. So I'm like, you know, if I fire you, I'll just find five more. I'm getting real. Is that okay? Sometimes people can't handle like pastors that are real, but we have real humanity. So here you go. Going to share with you this morning. (laughs) So I have that side of my personality and I I can make friends real easily. I remember one time um, I was 20 years old, caught up in a multi-level marketing scheme on my way to Texas in a van from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, it's a story. Don't have time to go into the details. 20 years old, I'm in a van, I'm off to Dallas in this multi-level marketing thing that I don't know is multi-level marketing, and, and I sit in the back of the van, and this stra- they're all strangers, I don't know a soul in the van that I'm going with, don't do that, by the way, don't get in vans with strangers, parents tell you that, 
I did not listen at 20 years old. And so I get in the van and I'm sitting there next to this guy and I'm like 20 and he's probably like 40. And I remember him leaning over to me and we just start, you know, chit-chatting or whatever. And he's just like, you know what, Stacy? I just feel like, I feel like I could tell you anything. And I'm like, kind of just in that moment, like, please don't. Please don't. And he's like, in fact, I've never told anybody this. But I'm actually struggling with my sexuality. And, um, I, and he goes into all of these. And I'm just sitting there like at 20, like, stop talking. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's an anointing. There's a gifting on my life where people will open up and they will share things. And oftentimes it's a little bit messy. But could those times be the very times where God has placed us in that moment, in that seat, because we can handle it, because we got a bit of God on the inside of us to help those people. Messy, but godly. So I find, you know, you might identify with yourself, you know, like me this morning, kind of that bent of, you know, firing or dismissing people at will, or you, and, and then just make friends and keep going, or it's the other side where you dismiss and fire people and then just grow inward and isolate even more. So it's kind of two ends of the spectrum. And I want to speak into this this morning because I want to help us get free to love people better. That's my goal. Um, today is that we would learn how to build bridges and open up the doors of our heart to include people that might not think, act, or behave in a way that we think that they should. So anybody, anybody here like that, like you can identify with a bit of this, either, either side? Okay, cool. We're going to be a bit interactive today. Um, I believe this, and as I was preparing for this message, I think that one of the reasons that we do this sometimes, dismissing people quickly, is because originally we got hurt somewhere. And instead of dealing with the original pain or the original hurt, we just move on. We run from the people. We run from the person that caused the pain. Instead of dealing with the actual pain, working through it to then love the person. I think sometimes we can do that. Other times, I think we can hold people in such a regard or put them in a, a place that we were never meant to. And then we get disappointed when they don't act, be, or do how we think they should be. So I believe, because we're in a series called The Entitlement Cure, I truly believe that sometimes a form of entitlement, and a form of entitlement, entitlement is this, the right to something or someone, so the, just the right to them, the right to something or the right to someone. And I believe that in today's day and age, one of the modern forms of entitlement is actually people, people idols. We make people our idols, and then when they don't perform the way we've built them or the way that we want them to be, we are horribly disappointed. And it's a form of worshiping. It's a form of, of placing someone or something above the place of God. And then, unfortunately, we become victims of what people say, what people do, how they react, how they don't react. We find ourselves caught in the middle of it because we've perhaps placed them in a seat they should never have been seated in. The Bible says in Exodus 20, 3 through 5, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If we assess the world in which we are in, if we assess maybe some of the people that we have dismissed, could it be that we put them in a place in our life where we're trusting faith, putting all of what we should put in God, we put in people? 
And then we get so angry, we get so disappointed, we get so bitter with, with how or what they do or they don't do. How do we know if we have put people in that place? How do we know if an idol, a people idol, has arisen in our hearts or in our lives? I think it just like this. When something good happens, do you run to God and tell him or do you run to the person first? When something bad happens, do you run to God first or do you run to a person first? When you get annoyed by a person, do you run to God first or a person first? When you are disappointed with a person, do you go to God first or a person first? When something goes awry with a leader, a friend, a spouse, a relationship, how much real estate do they take up in our mind? Is it more than God? I know this hurts. It hurts because we will find ourselves in this. At some point in our lives, this happens to us all. We elevate a person before God, and they begin to take up real estate that was meant for God to fill with a person. Idolatry. Anything that you love, treasure, prioritize, identify with, or look to for need of fulfillment outside of God. If a person, if you need a person to fulfill you, if I need a person to fulfill me, then have they taken the place of Jesus? And please understand me. I love people. I trust people. So it's not to say that we, again, we're going to get into that. We don't disregard people, but they cannot hold the place of Jesus. Number one, don't make a person or oneself an idol. And it says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, it says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of people, lovers of money, lovers of boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's the one that kind of gets us sometimes because people can have a form of godliness, but they're not God. Form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so all these teachers opposed truth. And those two people were the sorcerers of the day. They were the magicians of the day. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Messy. Um, You know that when I was researching this, um, some of the commentaries said that often this is seen during a political climate. I was like, hello. Why? Because everything that's in a person comes out. You're pressed, you're shaken, you're not sure. And instead of going to Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, we're looking at all the people to fulfill what only God can. In Jeremiah 17, 5, it says this, Thus saith the Lord. I always laugh because I have actually never really seen that in Scripture where people always get up and like, Thus saith the Lord. And then it was in this verse. Anyway, side note. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus saith the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh their strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. 
Later on in verse 7, it said, blessed is the man who puts confidence in Jesus. Those are the people that are planted by rivers of living water. So we don't place our trust, our assurance in human beings, but we place it in God. I find in that way, if we do that, if we can ensure that Jesus is seated on the throne of our own hearts and lives, then it leaves a whole lot of room for humanity. It leaves room for the mess because our value, who we are, what fulfills us comes from Jesus himself. So when people get messy, we just got to learn how to love them better because that's not where we're deriving our value, our hope, our love from. Does that make sense? So number two, put all my faith in God, my savior, not all my faith in people saviors. Psalm 118, eight through nine says this, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. This is why the church is so essential because it reminds us where to put our trust. It reminds us where to put and, and take refuge. There is a place. And that is in Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 4, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. What does that mean? Um, so if you're a farmer and you've got a huge farm and no cattle, no ox, it might be clean, but ain't no harvest. So with people, if we have clean, tidy little lives with no mess, are we empty? Is it void of people? People may be messy, but that's where the harvest is. Come on. So all I'm saying is that it's messy. God says it's going to be so, but he says that's exactly where the harvest lies. And oftentimes we run from the person. We run from the mess when God has actually planted us there if we would stay and obey. So this morning, if we take a good look at our own lives, if we can assess where we're actually at, would you say your life is full of beautiful people? Or is it void or empty of some ones that you maybe should have included? Do I, this is the other question I like to ask myself. Do I love people according to godly principles or according to my personal preferences? Do I love people to, from, God, from the godly principle or from my personal preference? Personal preference is like personality, it's style, it's delivery, it's how the person is. Do we dismiss people based off of those things? Or are we looking for the godly principles that lie on the inside of them and then allow for their humanity and be like, that's okay, I'm big enough for that because there's a God on the inside of them. If we turn it around and think to ourselves, has that ever happened to me? Then it gets real real. When was I dismissed? When was I fired? And like, what? Because many times we fire people, but we don't tell them. It's not like I would probably go, and you're done. <laughs> I just do it in my head and my heart. And then they're left totally bewildered. And off I go. We can't create those kind of messes. 
Point number three, love people according to godly principles, not personal preferences. Now, here's where we can take a look at some godly examples, because I actually think that God, some of God's top choices as our examples that we can look to in the Bible, I would say that we probably wouldn't pick those people. I would think that actually some of the people that God chose would never make it onto a church staff. I think they wouldn't make it onto a leadership team. I think they wouldn't make it as a connect group or a party leader. I don't think that they would make it perhaps as a friend. And I think that they certainly wouldn't make it as a president. God's anointing and where he puts anointing and rest and his biblical example, I find is not typically the example I would choose. So I started to get really intrigued by this. Like, okay, God, I'm missing something clearly because you know what you're doing. You wrote the whole Bible. You gave us all these examples on how to live and be. And you, you put your anointing on these beautiful humans that I would not qualify, but you do. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Let's look at Peter, the life of Peter. Oh, Peter in the Bible, one of the 12 disciples. Peter, would be, you would say about Peter that he was typically impulsive. Uh, he was always speaking his mind. If he thought it, he said it. How many people know those kind of people? He was so impulsive that he chopped a man's ear off. John 18, 10, 11 says this. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it back and struck the high priest servant, a high priest servant, mind you. That's like the pastor's helper. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup of the Father that has given me? Here's the thing that I love about Jesus. That was in a moment where it was Jesus was about to go to the cross. And this is where he's found and, 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 and the people are coming for him. Judas is coming for him. But Jesus knows he's meant to go to the cross. So he's allowing this to happen. But Peter rises up and sees someone coming against his Savior, his friend, his, the person that's been discipling and mentoring him. The savior of the world. And so he draws out his sword and he strikes him. Come on. I bet Peter is like, I bet Jesus is like, yeah, well done, except for don't do that. <laughs> Which is exactly what Jesus says. He's like, don't cut people's ears off. I'm actually meant to go to the cross. What does Jesus do? He doesn't disqualify him, he doesn't demote him as a disciple. He looks him in the face, he tells him what not to do, and then he reclarifies the mission. This is what I meant for. Remember, Peter? Oh, how many of us? How many of us need to learn that? That when we see humanity act like humans, we don't disqualify, dismiss, or fire them. We simply clarify the truth. Reclarify the mission, remember what you're meant to be doing here, and continue to move forward. Peter. Peter doesn't just stop there. Peter continues. Um, Peter, just after that, um, as Jesus goes to the cross, a teenage girl comes up to him and asks him if he knows Jesus, and we all know this story. He denies him three times to a teenage girl. And so he doesn't always do the right thing. And yet, this is the very same man that Jesus chose to be a pillar of the early church, the first churches of the day. 
And I love it because Jesus, knowing Peter, even when he dies and he fulfills the mission and he resurrects again, one of the first person or people he appears to is Peter. To again, look him in the face and say, you're still on the mission, Peter. I know you denied me. I know you cut people's ears off, but you've got it in you to live for me. How good is Jesus? When that moment happened, when Jesus reveals himself to Peter again after he's resurrected, it's when Peter is on a boat, you know, out there, and Jesus comes, and he's like, Peter, and calls, and calls the disciples and tells them, look, throw your nets for a catch, and then he calls them, you know, over to himself to shore. And the Bible says, it's so funny, the Bible says in um, uh, John, I believe it is, that he, um, he puts on his clothes, jumps into the water. So again, Peter out there fishing naked, like the man never acts the way we think he's going to act. He's like fishing in the boat. It's so funny. If you read your Bible, this is actually what it says. It says he put on his outer garments and swims to Jesus. Messy, but godly. We've got to re-clarify the mission. I think we've got, we've got to get bigger in our own souls and in our own hearts to love the humans that we are surrounded with. We've got to get bigger in our love towards them. We're dismissing people these days for comments they leave on Instagram. You're done. You're done. And you know what's so funny to me? The tactic of the enemy, the devil, literally creates a world in which we have social media. Literally, this is where you leave comments with no context. Like, don't we tell everyone there's a story behind the story? Generally, there's three stories. What he said, what she said, and then the truth, and Jesus himself is the only one that knows it. And so we've got this forum that's been created where we just leave comments. And then we dismiss people. We fire people off of them. And I just had this just recently. I'm not huge on social media. I kind of go in and out of posting things and whatever. And I'm not saying all social media is bad or anything like that. But it's just interesting to me. And it's funny how it's almost like these things were created whenever we have a feeling. It's like now we all post our journals on the internet for everyone to read. They used to be private back in the day, which I think was good because it was like, just like, yeah, no one should see that. Let's deal. Now it's like for all the world to see. And I remember I was having one of those moments just recently. And um, I had been fasting for, um, I think I was on my sixth day, and I was doing a liquid fast. And I'm not like a great faster. Like it's not my favorite thing, but I do it. And so I'm on like my sixth day, and I'm not feeling all like presence of the Lord. I'm like annoyed. I'm agitated, like all the things. And um, up pops on my feed in Instagram, like this, this, like Trader Joe's, like random. I like Trader Joe's typically. But it, and it's this whole little comment on like how amazing the employees of Trader Joe's, you know, are. And I'm just annoyed this day. <laughs> I, I, this is really funny. I'm confessing, guys. So I'm sitting there and I literally just write, yeah, I used to think that until the pandemic happened. And then people got really feisty. Emoji, eye roll back. <laughs> Off you go. And then I start getting these messages. Bing. Wow, I'm a Trader Joe's employee. And I am personally hurt by the words that you have said. And I looked you up and you're a pastor. How disappointing. I'm sure I was fired by that person. And then the next comment, and I'm just like, oh. and so then I'm like writing back, like, oh my gosh, 
like, obviously it was a generalized comment. And so I write, like, obviously I think it wasn't you personally who bumped into me. And they're like, oh, I would expect a scathing remark. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, and you just start, all of a sudden you're in something you were never even meant to be in. in. I'm like, what am I doing? And I delete, delete, delete. I deleted the whole thing. I'm like, I can't be a part of this. It's not okay. And I think that's what happens sometimes. Humanity is messy and we get involved in things we shouldn't. We say and we do things we don't or we shouldn't. We've got to correct the actual issue. The real trouble is, why was I annoyed with a Trader Joe employees? Because someone personally was mean to me there. I didn't deal with that. So I publicly, not okay. We got to get bigger in our own hearts and in our own spirits. We can't be, you know, Peter chopped somebody's ear off once. He learned his lesson. Come on, we're doing okay? I think that our idea of leaders, pastors, people in our world sometimes is a lofty, you know, ideal. We want people to be just like us. And we're not. We're different. We have different personalities, different styles, different deliveries. God actually made us uniquely that way. I think that we're most like God when we all are like all the disciples. When we all have room for all our personalities and all our ways and our differences, and yet we have the same value that we live for the cause of Christ. That's what unites us as a people when we unite for the cause of Jesus? Are we writing people off too quickly because of their humanness? You know, I really learned this lesson and I'm still learning the lesson, especially being at this church because Pastors Jürgen and Leanne are the most big, loving, most open, beautiful people that I have ever met. When people are spitting on them, when people are mean to them, when people say horrible things, when people leave them, when all of these things happen, they just open the door wider. That's right when I expect them to go, yeah, let them go. It's like, you know what? Just tell them the door's always open. I'm like, what? They've learned this. I can see through Pastor Jurgen and Leanne how much they love Jesus how much they're fulfilled by him because they have room for all of us. They have room for all of the humans that are messy, but where the harvest comes from. They're placed smack dab in the middle of them. I learn it over and over and over. And two years ago, actually, on our staff and our team, Pastor Jürgen Leanne did this thing where they give us one thing to work on. And this was mine. Don't just dismiss people even when they hurt you, even when they do things that you don't like, even when it looks like it's justifiable, do everything within your means to open your arms wider. And I realize my fulfillment, my love comes from Jesus himself. And so I have learned over the last couple years to open my arms wider for people. Number four, my last point, don't dismiss people, just love them bigger. Love them better. I heard this quote just recently and I loved it. It says this, 
People don't abandon people they love. People abandon people they were using. Let me say that again. People don't abandon people they love. People abandon people they were using. When you need someone, are we using them instead of loving them? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You know what was so beautiful about the disciples? They were so messy. If you really look into the disciples, the apostles, the hall of faithers, oh my goodness, look look that up in, in Acts, hall of faith, who God literally says, these are the people I commend and why. And they, they, they did awesome things. Like they built an ark when there was no rain. They, you know, they did awesome things. But if you look into their personal life, you will find betrayal, murder, adultery, prostitution. Like you're going to find all the mess of humanity in the greats of the Bible. And yet, did God pick wrong? I don't think so. I think God chose right. He chose to show us that whatever we have done, wherever we have messed up, guess what? God can still use us. God can still qualify us. God can still give us a destiny and a future beyond our wildest dreams and our imaginations. It's what qualifies us that we are human, but we can be godly at the same time. We can be human and messy, but godly at the same time. God is good. Come on, let me hear a praise to Jesus himself. Do you know that the 12 disciples, as messy as they all were, I just want to share with you the way in which these 12 messy men died. Do you know that all 12 of these disciples, they all believed, they all had faith in their Savior. They all lived with the cause of Christ and they were outspoken about it. So much so that they died for Jesus. They were all martyred for their outspoken faith. One, there's a discrepancy over, and that's John. They believe he died of natural causes, but only after he escaped from being boiled alive with oil. Andrew, crucified. Thomas, speared to death. Philip, cruelly put to death. Matthew, stabbed to death. Bartholomew, martyred. Jesus, James, believed to have been clubbed to death. Simon, martyred. Matthias, burned to death. Peter and Paul, both martyred in Rome during the persecution under the emperor Nero. Paul was beheaded. Peter. This is why I just love God so much. Peter. He may have chopped a man's ear off. He may have messed up. He may have denied Christ. But Peter, he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same way as Jesus. I think God picked them right. I I think he saw the tenacity and the faithfulness and the loyalty. He saw beyond their messiness. He saw beyond their sins and the things that they had dealt with. He saw heroes in each one of those people. And I believe today that Jesus sees heroes in each and every one of us. Jesus chose well. And how I have translated this into my life If I can give you just one simple thing and then we're going to pray. 
I started to think about people that would like annoy me or hurt me or, you know, drive me crazy. And I started looking at them and I would just go, oh, you're a Peter. Oh my gosh, you're Paul. Oh, you're Thomas. I literally in my own head, don't worry, you guys, you're all fine, none of, none of you. I literally would go, oh, that's like a Peter, that's like a Paul. You could be late for every single meeting that I ever have. But if I needed you to fight a giant for me, you would. Oh, that's the Peter on the team. I'm telling you, we got to take a leaf out of God's good book. And I'm telling you that when we do that, our hearts will enlarge to accept the humanity of people. Jesus, just like we saw, he called out the truth. He didn't pretend it wasn't happening. He spoke the truth in love, but then he also requalified who they are, gave them value, requalified their mission, and sent them on their way to live the greatest, most magnificent, most heroic lives that they could have lived. So today, I want us to all stand if that's okay. I just want you to close your eyes right now. Begin to assess, if we can, our own hearts and our own spirits. Have we had those bends in our own life? On either side of the scope, have we held people into a place like an idol? Have we held people in a place where our Savior should be seated? Do we need to dethrone some people, not not love them, but put them in a place where we can love them? They aren't going to be like Jesus. <laughs> They'll be like one of the disciples because they got humanity in them. And on the other side, can we look at people and go, wow, I dismissed them too early. I fired that person. I fired that friend. I fired that leader. Sometimes people even fire churches and they go from church to church it's just because they have never dealt with the pain, the original one, whatever it was. That's all it is. This morning, as we close our eyes, can we assess where did that pain first come from? What was it about that person that actually hurt us that we need to deal with so that we can love them better? Can you just begin to identify that in your own world and in your own life? And I think this should be an exercise that we have periodically in our lives, not just here for Sunday morning. But every now and again, just begin to assess the state of our heart. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 through 10, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. That's how we know we can love people. We can love people so well sometimes because it literally comes from God and not our own strength. Whoever does not, does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we would love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. As we close our eyes this morning, I just wanna pray. And I first wanna pray for people who have never accepted Jesus into their lives. If that is you into this place, the only way to love properly the only way to forgive truly is to accept Jesus in our hearts and let him love through us. It's too hard to do on our own. We've got to invite the Savior in. 
So if that's you in this place and you're like, I need to invite Jesus in. It's too hard. It's too hard out there. I need to invite Jesus in. And if you need to do that for the first time, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. But also, if you felt that you've grown cold in your own heart, if there's been too many people fired and dismissed and it's left you lonely and alone or embittered, whatever the case might be, let's invite Jesus back in again so we can love others and love ourselves properly. If you're in one of those two categories, would you just do me a favor and just lift your hand nice and high? I'm just going to pray with us real quick. We're, we're out of time. But if that's you, I just want to pray for you. If you could lift up your hand and go, you know what? That's me in this place. Just begin to assess. We'll take our time. God is so good. Let's invite him back into his rightful place. And I, and I also want to pray for people that need to do what we talked about today, that it's time to let some people in that we might have fired. Or we found ourselves in this message somewhere and gone, you know what? I maybe have treated people a bit harshly. I need to repent and I need to invite God back in. If that's us, would you raise your hand too? We're just going to all pray together. Yeah, I see that hand. That should be a whole heck of a lot of us, by the way. I don't know how we got through this whole season without learning a bit of this. So if that's you, just lift your hands to heaven. We're all going to pray. I, yeah, many hands lifted up. Thank you, God. Come on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. God, oh God, Lord, I thank you for these beautiful, magnificent people. I thank you, God, as their hands are lifted high, Father, to the one true and mighty God. I thank you this morning that we put you in your rightful place, oh God, as center of our lives, that there would be no other gods before us. There would be no people, God, that would take your place. This morning we put you in your rightful place as center of our lives, oh God. Lord, we receive your love again, Father. We receive your forgiveness again, oh God. Lord, I thank you this morning that you are requalifying people, oh God. Lord, that we understand today that our sin isn't the thing, God. We can repent and you will forgive us, but oh God, you will requalify us and allow us to live on mission, Father. So Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you for the heroes that stand in this room, for the modern day disciples and pastors and apostles and ministers and teachers and friends and significant relationships, oh God. I thank you for them, Father. Remind them today of their worth in you. Remind them today of their value in you, oh God. Lord, we release you right now. We release your power and your presence to heal the hurting and the broken parts, oh God. Lord, we release your power to anoint us afresh again this morning in the name of Jesus that we can walk with our heads held high, oh God, knowing that we are living today for the cause of Christ, that we remember that our mission is to make disciples of the whole world, to love you and to love people as big and as best we can. Can I hear a big amen this morning? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.